Hi, thank you for tuning in to the Foresight Podcast. Before we dive into this week's episode, we are excited to let you know that we are now open for expressions of interest for our spring Foresight Plus cohorts. In 2023, we at Future Forward launched Foresight Plus, a private digitally powered network of forward-thinking senior HR leaders committed to making work better. Foresight Plus brings together HR leaders who are curious about the intersection between people and technology. They are HR leaders of the future, trailblazers empowered to make work better within their organizations and beyond. Being a part of this private network gives you access to cross-border community connection, curated resources, job postings, speaking opportunities, in-person and virtual events, and more. This spring, we are welcoming new Foresight Plus members to our community in two cohorts, one for CHROs and one for senior HR business partners and talent leaders. We're now accepting expressions of interest for these spring cohorts. The link to express interest is in our show notes below, and the deadline to submit is April 1st. We look forward to welcoming you to the community you've been missing. You're listening to Foresight, a podcast about making work better. I'm your co-host, Mark Edgar, a former consultant and coach who now works as Chief People Officer on a mission to make work more human. And I'm Naomi Teitelman, a former big firm consultant and HR executive now striving to make work better one organization and one leader at a time. Every week, we'll discuss the latest trends that are impacting the new world of work to help you be a better leader for the future. Welcome to Foresight, a podcast about making work better. My name is Mark Edgar, and it feels like a while, Naomi, but for a change, I'm actually joined by my co-host, Naomi Teitelman. We've been doing so much with guests recently, haven't we? Yes. Hello. Good to be reconnected, Mark. Remember me? I remember you. I mean, we connect otherwise. We just haven't re- <laughs> recorded a podcast in a little no, exactly. while. No, we yes. probably connect like Every day, pretty much. But yeah, we haven't had a, an opportunity to for me to wear my fashionable earphones, headphones in front of you and, I've uh, missed and them. do this. You've missed them. <laughs> I noticed when them. you do your podcast, the, your, your guests don't wear something similar. They don't have the same attractive attire, which is either they're very professional or and I'm amateur or, I, or the other way. I'm not quite sure. Yeah, no, I, I really enjoy your headphones very much. So <laughs> please continue to wear them. And one of these days, I mean, we've been posting a few video clips of our guests. One of these days, we will post a video clip of one of our episodes and you will get to see Mark's headphones. Yeah, that moment will come. That moment will come. So we thought we'd do a bit of a kind of lighter, could be a relatively quick episode today, actually, because as we were thinking about what we're going to chat about today, we noticed that it's International HR Day on Saturday, which strikes me as being a bit bizarre that it's, it's on a Saturday. But yeah, International HR Day, another one of those days where I'm sure you could get a card in Hallmark to celebrate your favourite HR professional or something. But I didn't particularly know there was an International HR Day, but there is. And it's yeah. on Saturday. And so, it seems to be coinciding with May 2-4 weekend. So... I don't know what to say about that. I don't know what to think about that. No. Well, also it being on a Saturday, I think, is is that because like HR people are expected to work on a Saturday, and I'm, I'm sure many of them do, or what. But we thought we'd yeah, we thought we'd spend a bit of time talking about HR and why we think it is a day of celebration that, that needs to be in the world, that needs yes, to be international. For sure, it needs to be international. So why don't we do a check-in, Naomi? Do you have a okay. good check-in question for us? 
Sure. So let's let's do our check-in related to this week's topic, actually. And I was thinking, Mark, I don't know if I know this answer, but what was your first job in HR? You referred to something with cakes in one of our episodes, but I'm not sure if that was your first job in HR or not. No, it wasn't actually. Yeah, no, I forgot about that. Yeah, that, that was that was my first job. Okay. Which you could argue was perhaps a stepping stone to HR, but yeah, working on a production line making cakes wasn't quite the start in the HR profession that I was looking for. So yeah, my my first job in HR was working for a company called Ocean Group, actually. And I was pretty determined to get into HR. And back in the day, they had jobs like HR officer. So I'd done a couple of jobs. This wasn't my first job at university. So I'd done a couple of things, but was determined to get into HR. And this seemed like a good move. And it was working for a big organization that I was responsible for the corporate office team based in a place for our English listeners, listener, uh, listeners, there's a few, (laughs) in a place called Bracknell, which is renowned for its roundabouts. And also the fact that it had Ocean Group's head office there. I hate roundabouts. We can do a whole episode on roundabouts. My kids know that when I see a roundabout, I have major anxiety. Yeah. So so, I will not be going there. No, note to self, don't visit Bracknell. Or or Milton Keynes, that's another place where there's lots of roundabouts. But anywho, there's a company called Ocean Group, and I was HR officer for the head office of this big organization. We had about 70 people. It's kind of a real kind of corporate place. So the I remember the CEO and the CFO used to walk past and they, they would kind of I was sat there in my little desk doing my thing and they 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 kind of called me Edgar rather and I think they thought it was my first name. But also <laughs> it was be. or it was slightly representative of the fact that it was quite kind of stuffy in that way. Mm. But it was such good experience and I, I worked for this amazing group HR director called Chris Stevens, who I'd, I'd love to connect with if he ever listens to this podcast, because he was such an amazing mentor for me and he taught me so much in in my early career. And then I had the opportunity from that to, to kind of do other things. So we went through an acquisition, I was involved in that whole integration of the head office and then ended up running HR for one of the big business units and yeah, ended up being there for five years and it was such a great place to learn. So I have lots and lots of fond memories of the the people I met there and the people, the leaders I work with, which yeah, I think in some ways set me on a good, on a good path when it comes to HR. So very grateful for that time. Yeah, I would say. Yeah. What about you? So I started in human capital consulting in 2005 after after business school. I decided I was in risk management prior and I decided hmm, there's something about the people side of the business that I'm more interested in than, you know, the the security audit stuff that I was doing. So I, I did human capital consulting for a few years. And then my first job in corporate HR was was probably, I would say, mid-career, but at American Express. And my leader at the time took a huge risk on me because I had never done HR before. And he showed me the ropes and and I kind of never looked back. I loved my time in HR. I was an HR business partner and then moved to the head of HR for Canada role at American Express. So that was an amazing experience too. I've always had it in me that I love the people side of the business. It just fascinated me. I've always had, you know, a fascination with psychology and kind of how that translates into the workplace, group dynamics. My favorite course in undergrad was organizational behavior. Everybody else wanted to take a pass on that. I wanted more of it. I, when I was in France on my semester abroad, I took a gestion de resource humaine class and didn't understand a word, but I loved it anyway. (laughs) And so, you know, I've always had kind of that people side of the business 
near and dear to me. I've always, even in my roles that were not related to HR, I always kind of had a, a lens of what does this mean for the people and how how are the people actually going to get this done or actually going to be, you know, hindering or helping getting this work done. So always had a passion for the people side of the business. Yeah. And I'm kind of curious, I don't know, I've asked this question before, but just as that, that kind of transition from consulting to corporate, as you say, because you were you're on a bit of a path with on the consulting side. Was that an easy transition to make? I think going into a hum- an HRBP role, it, it was it was not it was not an easy transition, but an easier transition because I was able to really put on my consultative hat and ask a lot of questions versus having all the answers, which I think was the direction in which HR was kind of moving at Mm. the time. And I was very clear with my leader at the time, you know, I don't have any employee relations experience. I don't have any comp and ben experience. So I don't have those deep kind of technical skills that that some HR professionals grow up uh, developing and honing. But I do have relationship skills and I do have kind of those those consultative skills that could be that could be useful. And he was actually looking for someone with that profile. So it worked out well. And he graciously taught me the ropes and taught me, you know, all the all the ins and outs of HR. I remember the first conversation I had with an employee relations case and being very, very nervous and almost wanting him to sit by my side because I had no idea what I was doing. And I said, this is this is a high stakes conversation that could really impact people's lives. So I remember that being very, very uncomfortable, but, you know, learning and, and, you know, in a big organization, you have your COE partners behind you. And so it was, it was quite an effective model in, in bringing all different types of capabilities to life. Yeah. Yeah. So there's definitely that kind of parallel to my experience and to just the importance of those, those mentors, you know, it's, it's kind of very much my situation. It's kind of one of the things I'll always remember. And I, I kind of then became the guy who, do you know when you like become your parents and you find yourself yeah. like saying the same thing to your kids? But this guy I was talking about, this group HR director, he said to me, Mark, you need to, he said to build relationships with people. And you do that by doing little things for big people and big things for little people. Oh, I love that. So That's his kind great of theory advice. was, yeah, it's kind of, you, know, you build that relationship with the CEO by helping him to access the HR system to make sure he's inputting his holiday or not that they necessarily did that, but as an example, right through to uh, kind of the other extremes. And it, it kind of always reminded me that that's a, a good way to add value and build that connection for sure. So Yeah, yeah, so important. And, you know, I, I know HR practitioners are are kind of on the on the cusp of, you know, how far do we lean into the tactical kind of helpful things versus how can we kind of remove ourselves from the tactical things and be more strategic. And it definitely is a delicate balance. You know, the way HR groups are are morphing now and, you know, expected to do more with less, we definitely need to get ourselves out of some of the more tactical things. But sometimes small wins end up, you know, advancing what we're able to do much more quickly. So it's, it's definitely yeah. a delicate balance. Yeah, and it, is, it kind of reminds me that he, he, another thing he said, sorry, this podcast won't be just made up of sound bites from this man, but the other thing he said was mm. that if you just focus on the on the big things without having made sure that you've got the, the kind of basics right, then it's just going to confuse people. So I, I can actually vividly remember him like drawing a grid of like how you have to go from kind of doing transactional work well before you almost earn the right to do the transformational work. Yeah, And if you jump just straight into doing the transformational work, then it's just going to confuse people because as an HR team, you're doing all this you know, exciting strategic work, but you're still not paying people correctly or you're right. still messing up with a, 
you know, an onboarding of, of somebody or whatever the administration part of your role entails. And, and again, that's, you know, I think that stood me in good stead as a, as you build a roadmap for thinking about how you do start to transform culture and bring in the HR team with you. So yeah, makes yeah, sense. Lots of lessons. Right. So this World HR Day is to, is, I, I looked on the website and it said World HR Day is to appreciate the effort that HR professionals put in to manage and efficiently use the most crucial element of any organization, human resources. <laughs> what do you think of that? Uh, I, I don't know. I think we could do better, Mark. I mean, you know me as the closet marketer, but you know, I I think it's, I, I don't know. I see our profession as so, so, so much more than that and use the most crucial element of an yes. organization. I mean, come on. We could do much better than that. What do you think about it? Yeah, same. I think it's kind of World HR Day is to appreciate the effort. Nothing about impact, but we worked hard. So, right. you know, we have a... <laughs> we we use people properly. Yeah, we use them in the right way. And we have a bit of a, a bit of a chip in our shoulder and a bit of, you know, a bit of victim mindset that you sometimes see with, with HR world, HR professionals. So, so just appreciate us. We feel underappreciated. It's, I don't know, it feels a bit, a bit weak for sure, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure we could do better. Yeah, we will be sending a letter. Yes, we will. <laughs> with our thoughts. Yeah, with a with a happy International HR Day card, we will send right. a letter to the... I don't even actually know who the organizers are, but... We yeah, I was going to ask, who do we send that letter <laughs> to, <Mark? laughs> We'll track them down. We'll track them down and give our... We will uh, send a carrier pigeon out yeah. somewhere into the world and they will find the people responsible for this definition. Exactly. Provide them with our constructive feedback. But regardless, I think, yeah, the, the, the kind of... I think the thought was taking the time just to, to celebrate the profession in many respects. And so... I was kind of curious, and you've touched on some of these things already, but yeah, what is it about the, the HR profession that you really enjoy? And I love the fact that you were finding yourself orientating towards those courses around psychology and people dynamics at a very early stage and thinking about the the kind of people lens. But but yeah, what else have you found as you ventured into your career in HR? Yeah, I, I just love the enterprise-wide lens that HR has that no other function or or business or line leader has, right? So I, I love the ability to just look across the entire organization and 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 plan for how things can work better. And I think especially in this day and age, you know, we talk about agility and we talk about cross-functional teams within HR and outside of HR. And I think there's just such an opportunity for HR to really get very strategic with the business around making business goals happen easier and with more fluidity and more efficiency and have that lens to developing people in mind as well. So how do we develop people in order to actually drive the goals of the business in a better way across the enterprise? So I really love that that power that HR has. I think, you know, we're we're transforming just like many functions are transforming and so some don't feel that power and some aren't kind of given permission quote unquote to have that power, but but those that do or those that aspire to, I think, have tremendous, tremendous opportunity to really transform the way we do business and the way we achieve business objectives and goals and 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 the broader purpose. What about you, Mark? Yeah, no, I love all that. I think I, certainly that that kind of enterprise lens that the you get from HR, I think, is you know, something I've always appreciated. It's a bit of a privilege in many respects that you can you can look at any part of the organisation. So yeah, not not to repeat anything you've said, just maybe to build on it. I, I think a couple of bits for me that come to mind is it's a bit of a cliche, but I kind of love people and I love connecting with people and helping people. And I I, you know, I think there's a stage in in HR's 
life cycle where that became quite unfashionable and it was all about, well, no, we're here to drive the bottom line and be kind of tough business people. And I, I kind of always didn't quite agree with that approach. So, so yeah, being kind of people-centric, I get the opportunity to do that in an HR role and, and kind of connect with people and, and like to think that you therefore make a difference. I think the, the other thing I'd add was just around, I think the HR work is is kind of challenging in a positive way. I think it demands a real breadth of skills that not m- many other roles kind of really require. Mm-hmm. I think you, you do need to be analytical. You need to be, as you referenced, as you did your transition into an HRBP role, you need to have really good consulting skills, good listening skills, good coaching skills, good influencing skills. The kind of list goes on and on. And, you know, I'm sure if we had a CFO on here or a, or other professions, they might claim the same, but I can only look at it through through my own experience of my whole career being in HR and say, I think that it, it requires a lot from people and, and that variety really appeals to me because I get bored easily. So, so yeah, those are yeah. points yeah. That, that come to mind for me. Yeah, no two days are the same in HR, that's for sure. And I, I just want to challenge what you said about, you know, driving the bottom line and it has to be very hard hitting and we have to be kind of business centric, as we would say, I don't think it's an either or, right? Like, I think you and I have embraced and love the term human centered leadership, which is, again, taking care of the people so that they can take care of the business, right? So I don't think it has to be an either or. And, you know, we can have a view to the bottom line and a view to business goals, while still knowing how to achieve that or having a a different sense of how to achieve that through having really engaged, happy, people. So I think, I think it's a both and for HR. Yeah, no, hundred percent. I yes, that's a really fair point. I, I guess what I have seen, no names mentioned here is just the, the kind of the, the HR leaders who don't have the human part of it. Mm-hmm. It's like they're, they're so focused on the, the business centers of it or, or almost at the expense of the human part of it. So that they're, they're not approachable. They're not empathetic. They, they don't appear to have a, a people centric bone in their body frankly and, and yeah. those, you know, th- that seemed to be a bit of a phase that we went through and and i can think of leaders like that and mm-hmm. I, yeah i just don't think that's don't think that's adding much value to the profession or to organizations yeah but, but it's, it's definitely, definitely a balance yeah for sure because you you want to also make sure that and i found myself in this situation in the past where you take too much accountability for being human-centered and then yeah. that's almost allows people to abdicate responsibility yada yada so it is a balance for sure but I, I, yeah, I think your point's really well made that if you can combine both those things and that's where you get the real kind of multiplier effect, which is another, another value you get from, from being in the profession. Yeah, for sure. So maybe just a quick couple of other questions. One would be, you know, we just touched on it, thinking about how the, the profession has changed and, and the whole thing about where, where we position ourselves as a department when it comes to the the table that we should earn permission to sit at, that that kind of phrase works. But I was more interested in where you think it's going to progress to. So as you think about the as you think about the HR profession, even if it's whether it's still going to be called HR, but any thoughts about how that's going to evolve in the future? Yeah. I mean, I love Josh Burson's concept of systemic HR. And I think we need to get way better at that at scale. So the the concept that we form agile teams around a problem that's rooted in people, but we don't walk around with a hammer saying this is a nail that I need to hit. It's called an acquisition, a talent acquisition problem, or this is a, you know, diversity and inclusion problem. So I am going to make sure that we have more diverse slates because of, you know, 
this particular problem. I think we we got to get much better at seeing problems across all of our different silos in HR because just the business is evolving so rapidly. And even if we think about the silos that we've grown up in along the way, you know, they're, they're changing and they're, they're so interdependent on one another. So, you know, I, I give the example of DEI, you know, originally was a talent acquisition problem. It was how do we have more women in, you know, in the slate and, and therefore in leadership positions. Then it became, let's do some bias training. So we're, we're really interconnected with the learning function. And now it's becoming more and more of that inclusion piece, which is really a fundamental part of the well-being strategy. So, you know, those are three different silos in big organizations, often laddering up to three different SVPs. And so we need to get a lot better at kind of cross-functional problem solving. And there's so much power to unlock there. What do you think? What do you think about the the future of HR? Yeah, I'd love that example. And just to share, it's kind of something that I think having read more about Josh's work and listening to the podcast that I actually tried to put into practice recently and as recently as this morning. So I had a a bunch of people together in my organization talking about early attrition. We think we have an opportunity to improve our our early attrition. So bringing together a cross section of people to, to kick off a project and being very, trying to be very deliberate in actually defining the problem. I, th- I think one of the challenges, which I think ties into where I think things are going to continue to evolve, is that it required quite a diverse group of people to be involved in that problem solution or in mm-hmm. solving that problem. And yeah, I, I think from memory, don't yeah, I, I think it's like fifteen people on that call because we wanted to make sure we had somebody from our health and safety team, and we wanted somebody from our reward team and our learning team, et cetera, et cetera. So. And I feel biased when I say this to an extent, as I've always really been a generalist, is I, I just think there's going to continue to be an evolution of having a, a generalist approach to, to HR. Yeah. And, you know, kind of a sense that the COEs will, a sense of excellence, as, or COEs as we refer to them, will become very specialised in a number of areas, perhaps smaller areas. And then that allows for the HRBP team and the generalists, whatever we call them, I think we need a better name than that to, to, to feel that they can apply their skill sets and experience to a whole range of different problems. Yeah. Which I think ties in with something you and Glein were sharing in the podcast from a couple of weeks ago around how we as organizations access expertise like you and Glein to, to kind of augment what's going on internally because we don't necessarily need that expertise every day, but we'll need yeah. it for certain things and yeah, I think my recollection of what Glein said was maintaining more of a longer-term relationship with those external partners, but see them as you know your overall kind of worker ecosystem, as we yeah. call it. So, so I think that fluidity of skills and having that agility in the HR team is something that I could see evolving. And yeah, you know, I think it's then interesting with all of the the ways in which that could get enabled through technology, so that you have the people focusing on the things that so, yeah, we know they're really great at. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, I think those are a couple of opportunities for sure. Yeah. Well, this was going to be a quick run through of, of why we're excited about HR, but as, as our listeners could probably tell, something that we, we would happily continue to talk about for sure. But yeah, International HR Day. Happy International HR Day. Naomi. Happy International HR Day to you, Mark. Okay, let's do a quick feel good. What are you feeling good about? These days, Naomi? I'm feeling good that we're heading into a long weekend, quite frankly. It's been a great year so far. I cannot believe we're already at May 2-4 weekend, but we are. And I'm really looking forward to some downtime, relaxing time with my family. 
What about you, Mark? Same, actually, but I, I'm going to be using a bit of time this weekend to, when I'm not celebrating International State Day on Saturday, which obviously will be dominating most of the day. When I'm not doing that, can, getting ready for a bit of a road trip I'm doing across Canada. So when I, when I speak to you guys in June, I will likely be in my RV and driving somewhere between Toronto and Vancouver, visiting a number of sites and then driving back on vacation. So super excited about that trip, but a Amazing. bit of organizing to do. Yes, amazing. We look forward to following along on Instagram to Ramsey's Adventures. Yes, yes. I put the link in there. Yes, I should put the link in show notes. Well, thank you everybody for joining us today. If you are as excited as we are about HR, please do refer this this podcast to a friend or give us a recommendation. That means a huge amount to us. Great to connect as always, Naomi, and we'll see everybody soon. Take care, everyone. Bye. Thanks for listening to Foresight. If you enjoyed the episode, we would love to hear from you. Leave us a review wherever you listen to your podcast. Your ratings and reviews also help more people like you find our show so that we can reach more future forward leaders and achieve our mission of making work better. Follow us on Instagram and LinkedIn at Future Forward and sign up for our weekly newsletter, Foresight, on our website, futureforward.com. That's F-U-T-U-R-E-F-O-H-R-W-A-R-D.com where we share even more about the new world of work. Talk to you next week.